shout out. Just want to let you know if you're here, you're new, uh, Fam Church, we're here about connecting people to Christ. That's what we're about. And so if you're in here for the first time this morning or maybe back in church in the first time in a long time or, or first time ever, we just want to welcome you and we hope that's been your experience this morning is, is connection uh, with Christ. And I, and I want to let you know that this isn't normally how we do a service. We don't have tables out. We don't serve food on a normal Sunday morning. And so if you come back next week, if you come back on Easter Sunday, um, it's going to be a little bit different. It'll be more what you think of in a church setting. But we thought with today being daylight savings time, today being the day where we set our clocks ahead and everybody's a little bit groggy, a little bit tired because they lost an hour of sleep, right? Or did some of you still get the same amount of sleep? Who got the same amount of sleep in here? Anyone? Okay. A couple of you did. No, I didn't. My alarm scared me to death when it went off at 4.40 this morning because seriously, it was just like, I'm used to getting up at that time, but losing that hour, man, I jumped out of bed. I was like, whoa. Dude. So, um, so what I would like to do this morning is I want to tell you a story about me, okay? Tell you a story about things that I've felt, things that I've experienced, and things that impacted me, because here's what I believe, okay? What I believe is that my story is either part of your story or all of your story, and so you're probably saying, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm going to get to that in just a minute. And, and uh, what it takes, though, to get up here and talk about what I'm going to talk about this morning is it takes honesty. And uh, we're kind of a people, people in general don't like to be honest with e- each other, do they? We don't like to be honest with ourselves even, Right? I mean, we don't like to to be honest with ourselves and look at ourselves, look at our life, look at our situations, look at who we are, and and really and say, what would somebody on the outside of this say if they looked in at my situation? Instead, we like to look at ourselves and and look at our lives and say, man, I'm amazing, I'm great, I'm awesome. Well, what this message entailed of me this morning was going and looking at my life and saying, maybe I'm not as awesome as I think I am. I think we're all guilty of this, okay? I think we're all guilty of doing this. But here's what I want to tell you, okay? I grew up in a home that uh, was really not religious or had church as part of their story. There was a couple of years where we went to church. I was not when I was in middle school, but that was it. And I know that around here in this area, it's a little bit different. I know that kind of in the south, uh, I grew up in the north, but in the south, you guys, you're more kind of... You guys probably all grew up in church of some form. You guys went. Maybe you didn't go every Sunday, but you were there a lot. You were there more than you weren't. And, and, and so I think that's a lot of people's experiences. They've gone to church. They've done the church experience. And there was just a point in time in their life where they looked at church. They looked at their church experience and they said, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm done with that. I'm going to check out. I'm going to do something different. I made that decision. And so to explain why I made that decision, I want to tell you about a guy. His name is Thomas Nagel. Has anyone in here heard of Thomas Nagel? No. Okay. Thomas Nagel, I didn't think anybody had, but he's a professor of philosophy and law at the University of New York. He's also an atheist. And in one of his books, he makes this confession about his unbelief in God. He says that he's not just an atheist and believes there is no God, but that in his heart, he wants atheism to be true. 
It's not just because he wants to be right about what he believes. It's bigger and bolder than that. You see, he hopes there is no God. And that was my story as well. When I was a teenager, I hoped that there wasn't a God. I didn't want there to be a God. And some of you, you just heard that right now and it made you a little nervous because you know that in your life, you have said to yourself at some point in time, I don't want there to be a God. And the challenge there is there's a big difference in life between I don't believe in God and I don't want there to be a God. There's a huge difference between the two. See, I wouldn't have said that, though. I wouldn't have said to you at 16, I wouldn't have said, I don't want there to be a God. Why? Because that's not a logical argument, is it? That's not something that you can defend. That's not something that you can come along. And so what I did was, I didn't want there to be a God, and so then I went out and I looked for evidence as to why there would be no God. And so I took what I wanted to believe and created a system around my beliefs because I didn't want there to be a God. And I would go up to people who believed in God and I would say something like this. I would say, uh, prove that God exists. And a smart person would have said back to me, prove that God doesn't exist. Because we have to understand that both of those arguments are equally impossible to prove. I mean, yes, you can, you can take some of the things that you see out there. You can say, oh, well, what about the Big Bang? And what about evolution? And what about uh, all of this stuff that scientists say? Well, can I tell you that, yes, that can be an explanation as to maybe how things happened without there being a God, but it doesn't prove anything. It doesn't prove anything. And so what I did was I convinced myself through these scientific things, through this evidence that there was not a God there, but I stopped believing because faith became something I didn't want to be true. And something being due inconvenient in my life is not proof that it is false. It was more my wants and wills saying, you know what, you don't want that, you don't need that. We all know that we can't stand on our wants and wills as proof for our belief And so I went out there and grabbed everything that I could to support my want and will and then told people I didn't believe. Here's the deal, though. I was not on a truth quest in life. See, what I was on was a happiness quest. I looked at life and I asked myself this question. I said, what do I want from life? What will make me happy in life? What can I do to get the most out of what I want In life, Blaise Pascal, a French mathematician, physicist, inventor, and Christian philosopher, wrote that for most people, they arrive at their beliefs not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. I looked at life, saw what was attractive to me, and adjusted my worldview accordingly. And anyone who would try and inject truth that I didn't like into my worldview, I had no place or time for it. And this is why I think I walked away from God, Jesus, in the church. Because there were so many things that went against the things that I thought were going to make me happy. And and I didn't want anyone to come along and mess with those things. And and so I was like kind of trying to avoid those situations, trying to avoid that stuff. But do you know what avoiding that, that, that kind of stuff really is? It's a fear. 
I was afraid. I was living my life in fear that God was going to interfere with what I wanted from my life. That was my fear. I wanted to be happy, and I knew that God would interfere with what I thought would make me happy. And there was three things that I realized about God and following him that, would I, that I'd have to come face to face with if I believed in God, and those things scared me. And the first one is this, that if, God, if the God revealed in the Bible is there, then all of us, including me, are guilty. What are we guilty of? We're guilty of sin. What is sin? Well, in the Bible, the word literally means to miss the mark. And so I kind of think that a lot of people, when you say that, have this, will have this picture in their head, miss the mark. So we put a target at one end of the church, and we put somebody with a bow and arrow or a gun at this end of the church, and we tell them to hit the target down here. And so what they'll do is they'll stand down here, and they'll, they'll line up their bow at the target and try and put it right in the center. They'll line up their gun to try and hit the center, and they'll fire, they'll release the string, and the arrow will come flying, the bullet will come flying at the target. But when we miss the mark, it goes off to the left, it goes off to the right, maybe it goes over, maybe it hits the dirt in front, whatever, the carpet, the lovely carpet that we have here at Fam Church, it hits it right there in front, and, uh, and we're just like, dang it, man, I tried so hard, but I missed the mark, but you know what? That's not the picture of sin in the Bible. Instead, it looks like this. Has anyone seen the 1981 movie Stripes? A few people, some of us more unsaved people like me have seen it. Well, there's a scene in a movie that shows what this word means perfectly. See, in this movie, John Winger, played by Bill Murray, he loses his job, his girlfriend, and his car in a matter of a couple of hours. His life has lost direction and hope, and so he convinces his best friend to join the army with him in order to restore that direction that he wants in life. Well, they arrive at basic training, and they are put into a platoon of incompetence, okay? And one day, his unit is out on the rifle range practicing their M16s, and this happens. So, here is our man. He's there with his gun, down at the target, Suddenly, a flock of ducks flies over, and what does he do? He takes his gun off of the target, looks at the ducks in the sky, and just starts firing away, even hitting the guard shack where the sergeant was watching them from. Okay? That is a picture of us missing the mark. We're not even trying to hit the target down the field. We're not even trying to hit that thing. That's what sin is, is it's us looking at the target, saying, you know what? No, thank you. I'm going to shoot at the birds flying overhead. And that's who I was. I wasn't trying to hit the target. I was not aiming or even trying to aim at God's target, and therefore I was guilty of sin. The second thing I realized is that if the God is there, then I am accountable. Accountable for what? How I live my life. If God is there, that means my life is not my own and it belongs to God. I don't want my life to belong to anyone but me. And I knew that I would have to come to grips with the fact of Jesus' call on our life. Jesus says if anyone would follow after me, he must deny himself, 
take up the cross and follow me. That doesn't sound like fun, does it? Who likes the words deny themselves? Who says, ooh, I can't wait to go out and deny myself all kind of things? None of us, right? We don't like the thought of denying ourselves. I don't want to live my life that way. That's not good. That doesn't make me happy. Because that means I won't be able to pursue what I want, right? If I'm denying myself, I've got to go after what somebody else wants, and that's not what life is about. Life is about me, 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 and some more me, right? That's what our life is. That's the direction. That's where we want to go. That's who we want to be. And I don't want to be accountable for how I do me either. I want to live a guilt-free, accountable-less life where I do it my way. But that's not possible when you're following God. Then the third thing that I realized is that if God is there, then I have been wrong. How many of us like to utter those words? I was... Can you even say the last word? You know, we cannot admit husbands and wives when you get into an argument. Kids and parents when you get into an argument. Does anybody step up and say, I was wrong? No, we don't like that word, that W word. We don't like to use it. I mean, I got a great example of this. There was this guy that I used to work with years ago when I was working for Perkins. And uh, he'd come into work one day and he was just mad. He was angry. And uh, I said, dude, why are you so mad? What happened? He's like, man, I was in a car accident earlier today. And I said, oh, that's a bummer. He goes, yeah, but it was the other guy's fault. It was all his fault. And so I feel good because at least he's got to pay to fix my car. And I said, oh, tell me what happened. I want to hear what crazy thing this person did to cause this accident. And so here's the story he tells me. He says, I was in my driveway and I was getting ready to back out into the street to go someplace. Well, as I backed out of my driveway, a car came down the street, and I T-boned him as he went past my driveway. And I said, the car was moving, it was driving on the street, and you backed into him? And he said, yeah. And I said, that's your fault. And he looks at me and he says, with a straight face, No, it's not. It's his fault. I said, how is it his fault? Well, everybody knows that when you're backing out of a driveway, the person in the street is supposed to stop and wait for you to back out before they go. I I don't know where he took his driver's training course at, but you definitely don't want to take it there because that is terrible road rules right there. All right? Teenagers, remember... The car on the street has the right-of-way when you take your test, all right? But he was convinced that he was right, the other person was at fault, but that's who we all are. We like to be right, and our pride will get in the way of us being wrong. And you know what? When it comes to God, we dig in especially hard, and we want to be right no matter what crazy lengths we have to go to, because we don't want to admit we are wrong about God, Especially if it also means that we have to admit that we're guilty and we're going to be held accountable. So we just step away from this whole God thing because it's easier than admitting we are wrong. At least that's what I did. I didn't, want to, I didn't want God, so I looked for arguments to defend my position that God was not there. Um, 
And this is where I was at in life when I was 21. I denied the claims of Christ. I would have even told people that I was an atheist. And it's all because I didn't want God to interfere with the life that I wanted, with the things that I thought would make me happy. However, living life on those terms almost destroyed me. Isaac, if you could come on back up. The awesome thing about this is that when we can get to the place where we realize those three things about us and our life and our belief with God, that is the platform that God uses to pour out his grace. You see, it says, when I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. See, when I was still pursuing my own way, when I was still pursuing my own direction, when I was still pursuing my own happiness, my own agenda, my own plans, and my own purposes, Christ came and died for me. God paid the price for us. Jesus went to a cross and bled and died just like we celebrated with communion when we first started off this meal this morning. And I know some people would say, man, why does it have to be about blood and death and so nasty and graphic? I mean, couldn't, have God, couldn't God have just said, you know what? Everyone's forgiven. And that's it. That's the end of the day. Can I tell you that without sacrifice, there is no love. Parents, think about your children and what you sacrificed for your kids because you love them. Husbands and wives, think about the sacrifice that you make for your spouse because you love them. Think about your parents, anyone that you sacrifice for to love them. The two are interconnected. We show our love by sacrifice. We'll sacrifice our time. We'll sacrifice our talents. We'll sacrifice our money. We'll sacrifice our food. We'll sacrifice even our personal sanity or almost anything else for someone that we love. And that's why God took the route of sacrifice. Because it proves how much he loves each and every single one of us in this room. He loves you so much that he willingly sacrificed his son. Jesus willingly gave up his life so that we could be free from the guilt of sin, so that we could be free from the consequences of a life lived without accountability, so that we could be free from the pride of being wrong. Jesus did all of that for us on the cross. And so with that, I want everyone who's here this morning and has walked out on God to think about my story. Think about my life. Think about where I've been. And just ask yourself the question, did you do the same thing in your life? Is that the spot that maybe you're in? Did your belief about God come after you decided that walking with God was too inconvenient for your life? 
did you walk out on God after you decided that you wanted something else to make you happy other than the plans and the purposes that he had laid down for you. And I think if many of you were to be completely honest with yourself, if you were to be completely honest with who you are, you would answer that question with a yes. You would see that your choices were made because like Blaise Pascal said, you were looking for whatever would make you happy not whatever was true. But if we can get to that place where we're honest with ourselves and we can admit that's who we are, that's where we've been, that's what we've done, then God has amazing grace in store for each one of us that we can get a hold of, that we can walk in, that we can be set free, that we can be a new person, a new creation in Jesus. Because you know what the worst possible outcome in life would be? The worst possible outcome would be is that if we lived our lives for ourselves and we got to the end and found out that that separated us from God for all of eternity. The worst possible outcome. Just because you didn't want to be inconvenienced, just because you wanted a short-term happiness here on this earth, you missed out on an eternal happiness in the presence of God. Man, don't let your wants, don't let your wills, don't let your desires dictate your belief in God. Your belief in what he can do and your belief in how you can be happy because can I tell you that when you get your life and you're moving it forward in the direction that Jesus has for you, you're gonna discover a happiness and a joy that you never knew in anything else that you've engaged in, that you've done, that you've been a part of, that you thought would make you happy.